From the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, presented by a Cloud Guru, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome back to the Cloudcast. We are coming to you live from the massive studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. You know, one of the things that we we tend to notice a lot is a, a lot of times we'll get wrapped up in the idea of, you know, the things that are happening in the public cloud are are all about business agility. It's about going fast, um, you know, go fast and break things. And um, sometimes we, we forget uh, because we're in the cloud and, and, and we have this perception that, well, the cloud's going to be cheaper, it's on demand, that you know, we don't have to pay attention to to what costs look like. And and we've always come back to this idea that, you know, we've got to pay attention around costs. We've got to be smart about how we deal with that. Um, and I think as we're seeing more and more people using the public cloud, um, we're having to, to kind of refigure out the behaviors that we need. We need to have certain awarenesses. We need to have certain behaviors about how we use the cloud, provision the cloud, use it on a day-to-day basis. And, you know, sometimes some things will, will catch our eye, uh, catch Aaron and I's eye, and we, we go, okay, that, that's an interesting either set of data points or survey or kind of concept, and, and we want to dig into it a little more. And so today, very excited to have Andy Richman, who is uh, product manager for Park My Cloud. Uh, Andy, welcome to the show. Hi, Brian. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, you bet. Um, so, you before we kind of I, I want to kind of get into your background a little bit, but there was a there was an interesting um, survey that was run recently, and it talked about cloud waste and and you know how we're efficiently using or not efficiently using cloud. And so I kind of want to dig into that today. But before we dig into that, why don't you give us a little bit of your background in terms of um, you know around technology with Park My Cloud, maybe before you're with Park My Cloud, and give folks a sense of kind of you know where you've been in the industry and kind of level of experience uh, around this type of problem? Sure. So I mean, my background's been more in building, growing data analytics focused businesses. And as you know, most of those data analytics businesses migrated to the cloud mm-hmm. pretty early on. So I was involved in building a company that had a, a great business intelligence platform and we were one of the first users, actually in the UK, before I moved to the US, of the Microsoft Cloud products so got a pretty early exposure to what's going on in cloud there and for the last few years i've been working with the team at part my cloud to build out a simple simple uh, single purpose SaaS product that really addresses this issue of cloud waste gotcha and i'm pretty obsessed with the, the whole market i mean when friends ask me what i do i say i'm in the, the waste management business <laughs> <laughs> make, make some giggle a bit but i mean that's the way we think about it cloud waste management is is, is a segment all of its own, and uh, it's definitely very interesting. Yeah, I, you know, it was interesting that uh, you, you know, the, the the survey and the the data that was collected around this was sort of structured around waste because I think people have a perception until you've really um, been using the public cloud for a while that, well, you know, the pricing on the websites always talk about things in pennies per hour, and I can get things on demand, I can turn it off what I want. Um, that that the public cloud, you know, must be cheaper. And and then sometimes people will will get a bill and they they weren't really sure about it or a really big bill and they weren't you know they were kind of surprised by it. Are you finding um, as you talk to companies that are that are using the public cloud that that there's still a lot of kind of resetting of expectations of of what cost just basic cost to, to run day to day operations look like? You know, are people surprised um, when they get the first bill or just ongoing bills? Where, where where are you seeing people's heads in terms of understanding of what it costs to run in the cloud? 
but it really depends where they are in terms of their movements of cloud. And if they're born in the, born in the cloud company, then they're typically quite sophisticated and understand pretty quickly as those bills begin to come in month after month, and they typically don't go down. But this is a big piece of operating in the cloud. If you're a company that's migrating, let's say, from a private data center to the cloud, often your expectations and your experience are quite different. And so that can often take a bit longer to really figure out. But I think you're absolutely right with what you're saying. I mean, I'd often ask people, how many hours are there in a month? And people look at you like, what kind of question is that? I mean, just tell me, how many hours do you think there are in a month? Right. People have this idea. So when they're seeing things at 15 cents an hour, 25 cents an hour, whatever it is, they're not doing that mental math to turn that into a, a monthly cost. And then once you start to roll that up across, you know, tens or hundreds or even thousands of individual instances and other services you're buying, I mean, those numbers, you know, rack up pretty fast. Right. Right. And, and IT people have been classically trained to, you know, their, their focus from a cost perspective has always been on the procurement process, right? Let's, let's bring in some vendors. Let's kind of uh, judge them against each other. We'll figure out how much we can save by using some new technology. And then, and then after the purchase has been made, they sort of forget about it. And, and now we're forcing them to be, to have to be day to day, you know, aware of, of what's going on. It's a little bit like if you start a diet and, and you get one of those calculators that tells you how much each calorie is and you realize like, oh, wow, I, I didn't know that one was that much. I didn't realize that Apple was this much or a Snickers was that much. So yeah, it's definitely a, a change of behavior that we're seeing. Um, the, the other thing that I've noticed a lot and I've, I've been trying to follow the kind of the cloud cost space is I find that it's kind of the, the the tooling around it, the frameworks around it, kind of fall into two categories. There's um, there's the the people or the tools that focus on the upfront procurement. The do we use spot spot markets? Do we use reserved instances? Should we buy on demand? Um, and that feels like a little more of a financial engineering uh, process, if you will. And then there's the sort of day to day, more DevOps type of thing, which is you know we're responsible for running this. Um, you know, we still have budgets we have to keep, but we, we want to make sure we keep the lights on. D- do you find that we're starting to see kind of a, a more distinct split between the people who think about the upfront purchase versus the, the day-to-day more DevOps, you know, getting into IT thing? Absolutely. I mean, the interesting thing is we do encounter both, but we typically get engaged with the bottom-up route, which is through those DevOps folks who have typically been tasked with going out there doing some research, understanding what's possible, and putting together a strategy for the organization. That doesn't mean that they haven't already been told that the the enterprise is going to be making a commitment to reserved instances or uh, a, a strategy around using spot, that kind of thing. So that can sometimes, you know, almost box off some, some opportunities that they may discover and One of the things we find quite often is that when people begin to understand what they can do on a day-to-day basis, it would have actually changed some of those strategic decisions. So as an example, within non-production environments, there's often opportunities to turn off instances for multiple hours over a week. And just looking within our own platform, I mean, we see people saving up to 65% a week on those on-demand instances being used in in non-production, which is really significant. And if you do a side-by-side comparison to turning things off in non-production versus actually committing to a one- or three-year reserved instance contract, there's some interesting uh, uh, economics around that, which would have you know, probably changed the, the, you know, the decision that was made early on. Right. 
Right. Yeah. And it's, and it's interesting because people were used to buying servers for three years, three year depreciation. So they kind of, you know, their, their natural inclination might be to go buy a three year contract because it feels like what you've done before. Um, the, the other kind of follow up to that is I know like in the security world we're as people move towards DevOps, they, they sort of begin to have these more blended teams. We're, we're seeing a lot of discussion around sort of dev sec ops where, where people are saying, look, um, security is a, a critical element. You need to embed security into your team. Do you think there's, there's sort of a need for something that's uh, analogous to like a dev fin ops where you've got to have some sort of financial management awareness built into the team all the, all the time. Is that something that, that you're seeing evolve as well? Oh, I mean, great, great point, Brian. I mean, we, we see everyone from the, you know, the, the coders developing products right the way through to the, you know, the way in which the code is being committed, the, systems are being built and deployed to production all the way up and down that that stack we're seeing people engage with this particular issue because oftentimes let's go back to that code piece i mean people are spinning up instances they have they don't have to pick up the phone and call uh, an it ops person to get a bit of infrastructure in place they can do it themselves right and the more they begin to understand the opportunities for saving uh, which ultimately generally means that they actually have more money to spend on other projects that they would like to be doing, the, the more, I don't know what the term is, you know, the more active they get in, in, in using tools like ours. Mm-hmm. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, let's go back to the concept of waste a little bit. Um, you know, waste in, in IT, you know, six, seven years ago, maybe a little longer than that, you know, became a, a big thing because uh, virtualization came along in, in people's data centers. And, um, you know, people were very actively sort of going, oh, okay, I'm, I'm underutilizing an asset. Um, I can use virtualization to, to consolidate some things. And uh, there was a lot of talk at the time that said, well, you know, if you, if you're just, if you could just turn off instances, um, you know, at night when you're not using them on the weekends, you're not using them, you would, you would save a lot. You'd, you know, especially you'd save electricity, right? Sort of power and cooling and electricity. And, while logically that made a lot of sense, there was people who were kind of afraid of that because they said, well, I'm not afraid of turning them off. I'm afraid of turning them back on because, you know, turning them back on requires not just flipping a switch, but, but being intelligent about it. You know, which which instances have dependencies on other ones? You know, does will this work if DHCP is not working or DNS isn't available at the time or, or you can't log into Active Directory? How do you help people get over that concern, uh, whether it's psychologically or technologically about turning things off in the cloud and then you know the 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 cross your fingers that when you turn them back on they're all going to come back and work the same way yeah i mean there's a few different pieces that are going on here first of all increasingly we're seeing people wanting integration so whether that's integrations with i don't know jenkins or other other devops tools that they're kind of thinking about as they're standing their infrastructure up you know how, how is that going to to, to be automated with the rest of their CICD processes. So, so that's one piece of it. The, the other one is this, we'll call it orchestration of, you know, bringing things up and taking things down. And so we've developed within our own product a, a, a construct that we call a logical group. And this is the ability to link together different VMs, instances, and then set start times and stop times between them so that you can bring up, for instance, a, a database first and then a, a web server or maybe an integration server behind that and then do that in such an orderly manner that you avoid the kind of issues that you're describing and, and the same thing on, on the shutdown. 
Okay. And one of the things with this is that initially when we launched the product, this wasn't something that people were thinking about. But as the evolution of this cost waste management piece has, has evolved, you know, people's thinking evolves and they begin to see more sophisticated ways to, to do this. Right. Yeah. And, and we, we used to see them in the past because they would be the, the, the concept was kind of tied to run books, but the run books would typically be specifically to like disaster recovery because, you know, that that's when people immediately would think, OK, something goes off and comes back on. Um, the only thing I noticed is I was as I was digging into uh, into the park, my cloud platform was you have this concept called uh, smart parking. And that's that's tied to this idea of giving people intelligence around, you know, what what can you do to be efficient around around waste or around usage? Can you can you dig in a little bit of, of what what it do, what that technology does and, and how people uh, typically apply it? Yeah, sure. So if I can give you a bit of history to, to how we've thought about this problem, and it will kind of illustrate where we are now. So when we first launched, what we were using was both tags and uh, keywords to identify. VMs that were candidates for turning off. So if something's called, I don't know, Dev Server One, mm-hmm. uh, there's probably a reasonable chance it's being used for development, not for production. And so we can we can flag it. There could be something in a tag. And so we, we were doing that straight out the gate. But in speaking to our customers, what we found was they, they would still have to pick up the phone and call Jim or Jane or whoever it was and kind of check what that particular instance was and can it go off and when's it being used and will someone need it over the weekend, that kind of thing. And so we really wanted to build out from that. And so what we've done is to begin to bring in the utilization data that we can sit alongside that. And so looking for patterns within usage that would suggest things, for instance, can be off on the weekends or in the evenings. And we allow people to generate pretty simple heat maps and then to look at those heat maps over time. So what you can do is you can come in and look at, say, like the, the last eight weeks of usage patterns. And you, you, so I, I, I describe almost by looking at, looking at weather. You, know, you, you see these kind of you know, dark clouds coming over and then things getting lighter again as, as usage goes up and down. And so what we've been able to do based on that is to make these smart parking recommendations. And we've kind of lifted a construct out of the uh, financial services world, which is you know, how aggressive do you want to be about these recommendations? You know, if you want to be you know, super aggressive, maximize savings, then there's probably going to be a little bit more risk that someone's going to come in and need to get access to something and need to start it up manually, which is something we allow. Uh, but, it, but it could be off when they, when they need it. Or you can be more conservative and say, actually, you know what, we're going to really – Savings will be nice, but we 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 want to absolutely minimise any potential you know downtime or or, or delays in, in in terms of our our business. And so we allow people to kind of flip those switches or move those sliders and see what happens in terms of the recommendations. Right, right. No, I think I think it's smart and 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 you know the ability to to also visualise it, colour code it, and so forth is is helpful. I, I can't tell you how many people I've heard stories of who will say, well. You know, I got my bill the other day and I completely forgot that I had put this instance over in a different region. So maybe I, I, I work almost exclusively in U.S. East and then I forgot that I put one over in U.S. West and and they'll forget about it because like on the AWS console, there's not a simple way to kind of visualize all of my regions at the same time. They kind of do it by region by region. So it's um, it's 
it's smart to put it together in a way that becomes more visual. Um, you sort of hide some of the things that may have gotten lost um, in some of the other tools or, or sort of the native tools. So, hey, let me uh, ask. Yeah. Yes, go uh, ahead. So, yeah, I mean, in fact, one of the, you know, the, uh, the things people most like about our, we call it the operational dashboard, is the fact they can see all their, all their, all their resources. That could be all the scaling groups. It could be you know, individual instances. It could be databases. They see it all in one view, irrespective of region, with the cost right next to them. And you're absolutely right. People often forget that they spend something up in, I don't know, Oregon or, or, or Ireland or wherever, and suddenly they'll see that they've had an instance running for the last two months or a database that's just been left out there. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And potentially left insecure or something like that. So, um, so the, the, the last thing I want to kind of bring up with you, we're seeing this trend, um, you know, obviously part of, of looking at waste, looking at, at cost management, um, you know, there's a part of it that's an ops issue, part of it's a, a financial issue. And then we're starting to see this trend in AWS that's, and people don't love the term, but sometimes it gets termed as sort of no ops. Um, I'll sort of call it like less ops. Um, we we see things like serverless, which is, Hey, I don't, I don't really want to have to think about operations as much, or, you know, we're starting to see it with like their uh, Aurora database has sort of a serverless like thing where they manage I don't know, IO and so forth. Um, do you think we, and is that a trend that you hear people kind of saying, I would like things more like the, the beginnings of these other services is, I mean, are, are people wanting less and less to think about ops? Are they just wanting better tooling? What, where do you get a sense of that? Cause it, it does impact, you know, not every one of those tools fits every application. So you need flexibility, but are, are you seeing that as a trend where people are like, I just want to think less about this stuff. I want to focus more on, on the business or is there still very much a, a distinct ops element that just maybe doesn't get as many highlights or headlines and stuff? So it's always interesting to look at the ebbs and flows of what, what issues come up and, and when they come up. And the two things that are clearly out there are both containers and serverless. Honestly, we probably hear more about the containerization yep. piece, uh, albeit a lot of that has, from our perspective, seemed to focus more on the on the production side of the shop rather than the dev, test, QA, data analytics side. Uh and it's interesting from my read of, you know, I, I try and keep on top of this stuff is that they, they seem to be growing at a similar level, mm-hmm. but it's still not mainstream. And, right. and most, most of the workloads we see are still sitting out there, you know, on infrastructure the way it was two, three years ago. And it's just a lot more of it now. Right. Right. But, yeah. But for sure, it's something we're, we're thinking about and the, the ability as an example to really optimize containers and the spend on that and the, the way in which these containers scale horizontally we think there's probably some optimization there yeah no and i and i and you know we, we we're always fascinated by uh by the SaaS platforms that you know at the end of the day are they're providing services um to it ops which are which are interesting and, and sometimes new and novel sometimes just a better way of doing it but but they have the unique advantage that like it vendors in the past never did where you're, you're sort of constantly connected with your customer. You've got insight into what they're doing. You can collect data across lots of different customers and you're learning about overall environments, uh, as much as, as much as anybody and you're learning very quickly. And so it's, it's, it's very powerful to see 
that then become you know automated recommendations, suggestions of what people can do, probably eventually things that people can set to just automatically make their world better. So it's um, we're we're always fascinated as how fast the SaaS platforms are are involving the intelligence that you can bring to IT uh, organizations. I mean, we definitely see the automation thing. I mean, this is our, our bet is that you know, more and more of this is going to be automated. Uh, I mean, in terms of today, where I think beyond what we're currently doing, there's a lot of opportunity is in the auto scaling group. I mean, most people who are going to the cloud, one of the first benefits you really re- realize is this ability to auto scale. And when you begin to look at some of it, we offer some optimization of that. You can change settings from in terms of you know, your min-max desire. And, and even if you want, effectively turn it off or park it. Uh, but we think within the, the day-to-day running of those auto-scaling groups, there's probably quite a lot of automation there and, and a lot of financial benefits to be had. And so that's definitely something that's on our roadmap and probably is more pressing in the short to medium term for most organizations and some of the containerization and serverless optimization. Yeah. Let me, let me wrap up and ask you one last question, because I know we've, we've talked um, a lot about sort of the technology of, of making sure we're not spending too much or we're being efficient. What, what do you recommend to people kind of behavior wise or maybe maybe organization wise about, you know, how to be smarter about about better, you know, day to spend DevOps centric spend? Um, you know, are, are you finding there are certain habits that that the successful companies have, have adopted that, that you recommend to others? So let me tell you how I, I tend to look at it and the mental math I do. So pick up your bill at the end of the month and let's go after the, the biggest items. And for most people, that is the compute piece. Typically, about 70% of the bill is your instances, servers, VMs, whatever you want to call them. Dig within that and within our infrastructure, we see typically between 40 to 50% of that being in this non-production world. So that could be dev, test, QA, could be other... other analytics workloads whatever it is and there's some big savings to be had there and so within our platform the average saving if you do turn something off is about 130 dollars a month which is really pretty significant given the size of many people's infrastructure mm-hmm. you then start going down okay so we're going to really optimize that piece of our our compute what else well we've got the databases and again we've Really focus on, on that. And as an example, RDS, which is a big piece of many people's infrastructure within AWS, you, know, you, you, can, you, you can turn that off, significant savings there. You then start to go down you know, to, to the smaller things. You may have orphaned volumes out there. You may have old snapshots. You may have lots of old AMIs hanging around. As you mentioned, you may have volumes in, in different, uh, 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 d- different regions around the world, which you weren't aware of. But typically, they're the, they're the smaller ticket items. The big stuff is this. Really manage your compute well. Think about how you're using autoscaling. And really look at your entire DevOps integrations and look at those points where you could potentially integrate in with a system like this. I mean, we have a open RESTful API. We have webhooks. We integrate with Slack. I mean, there's many different ways in which you can coordinate and optimize alongside the rest of what you're doing within your infrastructure. Gotcha. Gotcha. So it's 
Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, dig into, dig into, dig into the numbers, provide visibility to the team, like you said, through Slack and, and other things. And, uh, no, that those are, those are great pieces of advice. And, and, uh, you know, again, sort of simple things that everybody can do. So I, I appreciate it. Listen, Andy, I'm going to wrap it up with that. Um, what's the best way for people to either, you know, reach out to you to kind of, uh, you know, dig into some of these ideas a little more or, uh, you know, engage with, with the broader park, my cloud team and, and, uh, you know, maybe start using the platform, trialing the platform and so forth. Sure. So well, partmycloud.com, pretty easy to find. We actually have a 14-day uh, free trial, and then there's a freemium tier. So by all means, come in, start using it. We love feedback. And then you can reach us through the website. There's a chat on there. We're always available. Someone's available during working hours, Eastern time, to talk to you as well. So by all means, reach out. Excellent. Excellent. Well, listen, uh, with that, I'm going to wrap it up. Andy, thank you for, for the discussion. It's been very, very good. And, and folks, like, like we said, we're always trying to get a better understanding of you know, the spend people have in the cloud, um, you know, how they can be more efficient with it. And uh, I'll, uh, I'll put a link in the show notes to the, uh, to the survey that, that uh, Park My Cloud had put together around waste and, and hopefully save you some money. So folks, with that, we're going to wrap it up uh, for Aaron and for Andy. Uh, thank you for listening as always, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more podcasts, show notes, and everything social media. And visit acloud.guru for all your cloud training needs.